This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Coming up on today's show, this weekend's annual general meeting of the UCP party promises all kinds of intrigue. We know Jason Kinney's leadership is really under pressure. We'll chat with Tom Vernon. What do we know about Metaverse? Facebook's new offering. Are we going to just let Facebook control whatever this is? And guess who's back? Joe Exotic. Tiger King Season 2. You know, when you take a look at this, there's some very eerie parallels to 19th century showmen. Lots of texts about Jason Kenney and the AGM this weekend. This was kind of interesting. This is a view that we don't see on the text line often. I think changing leaders right now with the UCP would be a big, big mistake. The way it's looking at all the new investors coming back into this province, it's looking like it's going to be really good for Alberta. It's going to be another boom. And for this to happen, there's got to be a reason. Obviously, Kenny was doing his job. Interesting viewpoint. I think it would be a viewpoint that would be firmly in the minority, even within the party. We know that there's a lot of people very, very dissatisfied with the job Jason Kenney has done as leader of the UCP. And uh, it might come to a head this weekend in one form or another. He'll still be Premier come Monday, but it could be interesting. Let's get a breakdown here with Tom Vernon, who is Global News Provincial Affairs reporter. Hey, Tom, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. You've been doing this a while. You've been covering AGMs uh, in years past, and none quite like this one, I don't think, right? This one's a little different. Yeah, I mean, we've seen some interesting ones. Those those Wild Rose ones back in the day could get interesting. Uh, But this one... I'm not sure I've ever seen an AGM quite like this, where there is a a good portion of the party pushing to get the leader out and the leader standing firm saying, I'm not going anywhere. And, you know, I mean, even before it starts, there's all kinds of things happening on both sides of that debate, right? You've got the constituency associations that have come forward with their motion. And now there's talk that that motion or the resolution, the goalpost might move on that. Yeah, so there's that resolution. They've been doing this... uh, letter signing well there was a letter signing campaign but now there's this motion out there to call for an early review uh prior to march 1st the party constitution says you need 25 percent of the constituency associations to sign it so 22 they reach that 22 they say they're going to get even more but the 22 has been met now there is a motion before the the convention to raise that to one-third so no you need 29 uh constituencies to sign on to this now for this to pass it needs 75 percent support inside the room so those who have already pass this motion say well they sure hope that that doesn't pass but it's just it's another interesting angle in this where there are you know people loyal to premier jason kenny in that party doing their best to make sure that it makes it more difficult to get them out yeah how does that work though with the bylaws tommy you might not i don't i don't know like can can they retroactively change that i mean they've reached the 22 can they now say yeah i know it said 22 but really now it's 29 can that happen and there's, I haven't gotten any clarity on that, so it'll be very interesting to see. Um, all when we reached out to the party this week to say, "Hey, look, this has been this has been achieved. Yeah. What, what's the next step?" They said, "Yeah, we acknowledge that we've received the letters." Uh, so that's about <laughs> as much as information that I've gotten out of that. So it'll be, yeah, it'll be the talk of the convention or the the meeting this weekend, I'm sure. Yeah, and and the other thing, even before we start, that everybody's talking about is this third party money being used to try mm. and bolster Kenny loyalists. What can you tell us about that? So uh, that came out through the Peter Guthrie letter to caucus saying, we know that you have tax uh, spending money, you know, paying fees for friendly people to get in. 
and uh, support your motion. The Premier said uh, this week, I am not involved in any of this, but hey, PACs are allowed to be involved in political uh, activity and uh, fees are not considered fundraising or something to that effect. Now, I, I just saw it pop up as we're talking in my inbox here, something from the Elections Commissioner, um, not the Elections Commissioner, the, uh, the Chief, Chief Electoral Officer, right. Because uh, he was asked to, to look into this by the NDP as well as independent MLA uh, Todd Lowen. Sorry, do you mind if I pull up the email? No, uh, that would be fantastic. Yeah, let's do that. Let me see, let me see what it says here. Uh, okay, that's a great big long paragraph. It is an interpretation bulletin. Oh, there's a lot here. Sorry, I'm not going to read the whole thing. No, that's fine, Tom. Yeah, long document. Yeah, but you're right. Basically, that's what um, the NDP and Todd Lowen were saying. They were calling on uh, a full investigation to try and find out exactly if there was any wrongdoing here. Because basically, what they're saying is, look, you've got a political action committee and a third party paying fees into an AGM, and they say, well, look, that that pays for the administration of a political party, which they say is not allowed. It's essentially fundraising. So it'll be interesting to, to read this interpretation and find out exactly if any rules were broken and if any measures will be taken. Um, when we take a look at what's going to happen with this AGM, I mean, ultimately, it's all about time, right? That's what it comes down to. The mm-hmm. Premier wants more time before he faces a leadership review that is binding, and we know that's scheduled for late April. Uh, as they try and move it up, basically, he's banking on time reversing his fortunes. Yeah, time and and the rules. Look, the, the, no one organizes like Premier Jason Cannon. We've seen it in action since he returned to Alberta for provincial politics. And it was interesting talking to those uh constituency associations and how they view what the leadership uh, review that has been scheduled looks like. So the leadership review in April is scheduled to happen at an annual general meeting, and they say only people who attend that meeting are allowed to vote. And when it's just people in attendance, well, you look, the premier's an amazing organizer. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can stack the room, right, or, or at least fill the room with your supporters. What they want is a special general meeting, which everybody, one member, one vote, right across the province. So that's what they're pushing for. We don't know if that's going to happen, but Yes, it's about buying time, getting more good economic news. Look, and every time this was raised in the House this week, the, the Premier, the, the, uh, the House leader, both stood up and said, all people are trying to do is distract from the good economic news that's happening, billions in investment, right? So they're pushing that message of, hey, we're turning this economy around. So, yeah, he wants time, and I think he wants this review on his terms. Right, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens, but it's going to be an interesting AGM. Thanks, Tom. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate you joining us. That's Tom Vernon, Global News Provincial Affairs reporter, and he'll be covering this AGM this weekend, and uh, we'll see what comes of it. Speaking of things that are looming, we've talked about this before in the year, this Facebook metaverse, right? That's their new, their new uh, whatever you want to call it. That's their new launch. It's their new plan. It's their new platform. The metaverse, which, as far as I can tell, and hopefully we'll get some details on what it is, it's it's basically like a virtual world where you're a little computer animated guy, um, and you walk around and interact with people and do all these things you would do in real life, but you do it on a computer without actually leaving your home. Now, we've talked so much about Facebook and the disaster it has become, and you know we were just talking about vaccines. You don't think vaccines and and the division and the polarity and the fighting uh, is in, based in large part because of Facebook? Not entirely, of course, but they're a significant factor. Democracy. I mean, you name it, the list goes on. We can agree that Facebook has some very, very negative effects. So what about Metaverse? What's going to happen with this now? Let's see if we can find out. We're going to chat with Bree McEwen, who's an associate professor at the Institute of Communication, Culture, Information, and Technology at the University of Toronto. Bree, thank you for your time today. I appreciate you joining us. Yes, thanks for having me. Okay, so first of all, this metaverse. I mean, I, 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 as, 
my description is a virtual world. Do you have any more detail on exactly what, what that means? Like, what can you do in this metaverse? How expansive do we expect it to be? Do we even know yet? Okay, so the idea of a metaverse isn't exactly the same as we might think of as like a single platform or a single website online. So we, more we want to think about um, the idea of the connectivity of the, of the Internet in general, and then you need some sort of hardware to access that connectivity. And then you have different kinds of platforms and applications and programs that are within the headset environment. Um, that you need to be able to do various communication tasks, right? Like be social, uh, go to work meetings. I've taught classes in virtual reality, entertainment options. And so when we think about that in terms of the Internet as we have it today, there's a lot of different companies and governments and processes involved, right? Like you have Bell or Rogers for the Internet. You've got your computer. You've got different applications. The Facebook idea of a metaverse is, that all of that for virtual reality would be owned by a single company, right? Would be owned by Facebook. Okay. Now we take a look at what we know about Facebook now based on their original Mm -hmm. platform. The concern obviously would be that a lot of the problems that we've identified with Facebook would transfer over to metaverse, right? Is that part of the concern? Well, I think that is part of the concern. We're going to have very different affordances in virtual reality than we would in a, in a social network site. So I'm less concerned about ideas like uh, the polarization of information that we see on social network sites um, or some of the issues that we get with anonymity in particular websites, which Facebook is not an anonymous site at all. It has a different set of issues. Um, And more concerned about what does it mean that a single company would own that? Um, What kinds of privacy issues are there? What kinds of surveillance issues are there? If all of that data in in a virtual reality setting is just funneled into sort of one spot, um, so I think I think there are different concerns, um, but it is concerning that a company who hasn't maybe done the best right. job with the issues that we have now might be the one in charge of that future. Yeah, I mean, there's more than enough reason to sort of sit back and say, you know what. Um, the first time around, this didn't go so well. But that's the discussion. We're, we're in a different position because I think when Facebook emerged originally, it was, oh, isn't this neat? Isn't this fun? We can chat with grandma and grandpa. You know, and, but we didn't foresee where ultimately it would end up, what it would become, right? And now we're at a position where we're at the beginning. So we're in a different situation, and maybe we can learn from our mistakes in the past? Yeah, exactly. I think that's exactly what we can do. Um yeah, when, when Facebook came out, right, it wasn't the only social network site. I mean, some of us are old enough to remember MySpace or Six Degrees or Friendster or LiveJournal, right? Mm. Um, there was a lot of different competition in the space. And then there was also, there were folks ringing alarm bells, right, about privacy, about surveillance, about data collection, about some of the social interaction concerns that we might have. But a lot of the answer that we got from media or government or regulators, right, was, well, just don't don't use it if you don't want to have those issues. Yeah. Like, it's a, it's a silly social media fad, right? And here we are 15 <laughs> years later, right, with Facebook. And it's really, really tightly intertwined into our daily lives. Um, and I think we forgot at the beginning of the conversation with social network sites that there are a lot of great social functions that social media facilitates. Yes. And, of course, people are going to want to take advantage of those. And, of course, they're going to want to be 
connected to this network. And so social network sites are, can be really powerful, right? Um, and I think that the ability to traverse geography that virtual reality is going to allow and the ability to have uh, meetings with more social presence, um, social interactions with more social presence, I think that's going to be a very powerful drive too to have people engage in virtual reality spaces, if we want to call it the metaverse, to join the metaverse. But we do have the opportunity now to look at the, the landscape of the industry and say, okay, what is the best way to set this up? Do we want a walled garden or do we want these things owned, you know, these different components owned by different parts of the infrastructure, right? This is an infrastructure question in some ways. Um, And how will that all play out to become this virtual social world that we might embark in in the future? Is that happening? I mean, are we saying, okay, wait a minute, we don't want to hand the keys of this metaverse over to Facebook because we know that has some inherent problems. Are, are we doing this work ahead of time, or are we just going to wait and react like we always do? Uh, we might wait and react like we always do. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think there are, again, I guess now I'm one of the folks ringing the alarm bells. I think there are people um, on the academic side of things who are saying, hey, there's an issue here. I think there's a, a place for some of the industry associations, like the RAR Association, to say, hey, wait, what kind of virtual world do we want? Um, but I, I think that it's just something we, we all need to think about very thoughtfully as the industry moves forward and not just hand over the keys to the kingdom to Facebook. They're going to be a major player in this space, absolutely. Oh, for sure. um, but let's think about what makes the most sense for how people can access uh, this new, potentially very exciting communication channel. So here's the question. You and I spend a lot of time talking about these kinds of things. You study them. You know the risks yep. that are out. Are you going to be in the metaverse? Is this something that you're going to do? I mean, we, full disclosure, we have an Oculus headset in my house. Um, <laughs> I have taught classes uh, using an HTC product. Um, I've taught classes in virtual reality when I was at DePaul. I've taught a graduate class. I've had students give presentations. So, yeah, I'm actually really excited about this. I study social interaction um, through mediated channels. This, to me, is like the new mediated channel. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, but, you know, I also have uh, some, some startup funds to purchase a lot of headsets for my new lab. I don't want to buy an Oculus headset because I don't want to have to require students to sign up to be in the Facebook environment. Really? I mean, it's like you say, it's so, we can see so many positives with all of these things and we can see the negatives and it's really tough to reconcile them too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're always negotiating yeah, these yeah. as individual users of technology that so we don't have full control over how the technology um, engages with us. Yeah, it's that uh, it's the cost benefit analysis. Um, Bree, thank you so much for your time today. Great discussion. I appreciate it. Sure. Thanks for having me. That is Bree McEwen. Bree is an associate professor at the Institute of Communication, Culture, Information, and Technology at the University of Toronto. Tiger King is on its way back. Uh, you've heard of Tiger King. The Netflix series was just ridiculously successful when the first season came out. We don't know what the second season will bring. Might be a bust, might be even better, who knows. But you know it's going to have an eager, avid audience that just can't wait. 
people curious to find out what comes next in the Tiger King saga. Now, this is going to be fun. We're going to chat now with Madeline Steiner, who is a postdoctoral fellow of history at the University of South Carolina. Uh, Madeline, thank you for taking some time for us today. I appreciate you joining us. Hi. Uh, great to be here. Now, when I was reading, getting ready to do this interview, you, you mentioned in the piece that you wrote that you study 19th century showmen. That stopped me. That sounds like the greatest job in the world. Is that really you, your focus is on 19th century showmen? Uh, yes, yes. I, I wrote my dissertation about the <laughs> development of the entertainment industry in the U.S., and I argue that circuses were what started it all. Interesting. Now, and the other interesting aspect to this is when you take a look at what's going on with Tiger King and the phenomenon that it became, there's a lot of parallels between these Tiger Kings, and not just Tiger King, but big cat entertainers across the board, and what you were seeing in, you know, 1800s circus entertainers, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, When I was watching the show last year, when everyone was in quarantine, that was what really struck me, was um, how similar a lot of the things going on with Joe Exotic and all of the crazy cat people today uh, really reminded me of what I had been seeing in the archives. And in what way? What, what, what parallels did you identify? I mean, obviously the involvement of big cats, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, big cats were uh, a huge draw in the 19th century as well, um, especially at that point when it was difficult for people to you know, go to zoos. Um, if the circus came to your small town, you'd be able to see big cats. And so the animals were a huge draw for people. And I think that's um, you know, still true today as we see that Joe Exotic and Doc Antle and the other people in Tiger King had ready audiences for their little roadside zoos. And, you know, and, and that's a whole community, too, right? Like, there's the, the, the fight that we saw between these different big cat people on Tiger King. Those fights, you also saw that happening way back when, when this industry was emerging. I did, yes. Um, the, the fight between Joe Exotic and, and Carol Baskin doesn't seem to be uh, a brand new thing. (laughs) My guys were feuding with one another just as well. Um, There was one story I found in my research of um, a showman claiming that his rival circus company literally burned a bridge to prevent his show from getting to their gig on time. Unbelievable. And the other thing I found really interesting is there's a lot of PR that goes on to this because there's some recognition um, that, okay, not a lot of people are happy with these big animals being used for entertainment purposes. So they always try and put a bit of a spin, right? No, it's about education. Oh, exactly. Um, when you watch Tiger King, you hear them say that several times. You know, we are uh, not just about entertainment. We're not exploiting the animals. We are educating the public and getting them interested in these animals all for conservation of these wild species. And, you know, there's uh, maybe some debatable uh, authenticity to those claims, but that's something that uh, people have been doing since, you know, zoos and circuses and other animal acts have been in the United States. Um, believe it or not, in the 19th century, uh, the circus wasn't necessarily a family-friendly form of entertainment. Oh, really? Out. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that stereotype of kind of the shady carny. Yeah. Um, that was very much uh, in play until people like P.T. Barnum um, came around in the late 1800s. Um, and one of the ways they expanded their audiences was by claiming that 
part of what their business was doing was educating the public. Um, <laughs> they claimed that you know their circuses were just as good as natural history museums and zoos. Um, sometimes they called their animal keepers professors um, <laughs> to try and make it seem like a respectable thing. So are you uh, are you all charged up about the new Tiger King too? Are you very excited? Uh, I am. I've actually uh, been watching uh, a couple of the episodes, and it fills in a lot of gaps from the first season, okay. and I like that. Excellent. Madeline, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you joining us. Of course. Thank you. That's Madeline Steiner, who is a postdoctoral fellow of history at the University of South Carolina. And you know, there's another one of those jobs. Her job is studying, or she did her dissertation at least, on... 19th century showman. Thanks for listening today. To hear any of our other interviews, you can find them wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to rate and review us.